Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Susan Arledge of ESRP, who reflects on how the coronavirus pandemic changed the nature of work throughout the last year. While most of us have adjusted to the work-from-home environment, companies are finding that collaboration and innovation have proved challenging. They're also finding that their real estate needs are evolving, that they may not need the same amount of space that they occupied this time a year ago. Susan's presentation takes us through the pandemic's biggest work trends and what we should expect as the hybrid workforce with employees at the office and at home becomes more commonplace. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. TrekCast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we begin, I'd like to quickly note that we did face some technical difficulties in recording Susan's presentation, so please bear with us. And with that, take it away, Susan. Well, generally speaking, people resist change, especially sudden change. But COVID hit last March, and on Friday, we were told, get your things, go home, and we don't know when you'll be back. And amazingly, people adapted. Companies adapted. People began working remotely, and it seemed to be working. <clears throat> so one thing that we know is you can never underestimate the power of habit formation. Regardless of the fact that we probably have the good news of a vaccine coming in the next foreseeable future, we will probably be looking at a hybrid work environment going forward. You can tell that people are getting fatigued from the constant work for home and that what we have now is not going to be sustainable. Isolation does bring its own challenges, and people are social creatures and need to be together. Collaboration is hard. It's very hard to build teams internally, and it's very hard to build trust virtually. So what we're starting to see are a few trends that are emerging, and that's what I wanted to talk with you a little about today. So one thing we absolutely see flexibility will be the future. Team building and productivity are still unmeasured by a lot of companies. While the concept of getting people home did work, the measurement of the success of that is still in the making. Most companies haven't tried building teams from scratch online, and they know they need that face-to-face -face contact. So no CEO should be surprised that early productivity gains will probably peak and then level off next year. So that creates confusion about what size of the space do I need? How do I structure a future lease? We know that rents in the, in the very near future will drop. Tenants are going to reduce their space needs. There's clearly a lack of demand right now in the office oversupply as impacted by the vast amount of sublease space in most markets. So a lot of tenants are not going to be renewing leases for longer terms until they can understand all those risks. So what does that mean for the office market? Well, the office market has been a landlord-driven market for the past four to five years. Tenants were committed to lease expensive, long-term leases and very cool, trendy environments at high rents to attract and retain talent. That was critical. They had to compete with their uh, people looking for the same type jobs. 
But now companies are carrying 30 to 50% more space than they might need without a better understanding of how this hybrid workforce will happen. So millions of square feet of office and sublease space have already become available as companies begin to shrink their footprints. Now labor costs make up as much as 85% of a company's operating budget. So the concept of relocating an office from a high cost area can produce massive savings. If you <clears throat> can hire a software developer remotely, then you don't have to be in downtown Chicago or San Francisco or New York City if you can hire those people anywhere. So just as an example, moving a software engineering position from San Francisco to New Orleans could save $24,000 a year per job. For 250 of those jobs, that's $60 million over 10 years. So that's a huge number that is going to be impacting the office market as companies look at much more affordable areas. The good news is workers are returning to work. And Dallas-Fort Worth actually led the market according to Castle Systems, who measures office uh, security systems. And BFW outpaced all other metros. The office traffic was 41% in October, as compared to New York at 16, San Francisco at 14, Los Angeles 33, and DC at 23%. So that's the good news. And suburban versus urban locations is, is an issue. We know that knowledge-based companies have this thing in common. They need access to highly educated and skilled people. So that's typically skewed towards superstar cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Boston, DC, Dallas, and Austin, which are huge talent magnets. But as I mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily have to be in one of those markets if a percent of your workforce is going to be remote. But young educated people between 25 and 34 have accounted for roughly half the population growth since 2010, so that's likely to continue. For the capital markets, extend and pretend has kind of been the name of the game. Investors are in an extend and pretend mentality. Many borrowers sought forbearance on loans and lenders have been flexible, but that's not going to last forever. There's two reasons why the capital markets haven't completely opened up and what we call compassionate capitalism, where society is really trying to work out together how this pandemic is going to happen. And there have been unprecedented levels of stimulus for a lot of companies. And unknowing that that's going to continue, it's anticipated that there'll be a drop in values in Q1 and Q2 of next year. And New York City is a good example where Manhattan office rents have dropped 11% from last year. Office occupancy is still about 18% and rents are down from last year. So there's capital, but at this point, a buyer wants to get paid for taking a risk. But the superstar and the good news is our industrial market. Demand for labor is huge. Warehouse employment is the highest ever recorded. And it's already estimated that Amazon has centers located within 20 miles of half of the US population. 
There are now about 1.25 million employees in the warehouse and storage sector. And e-commerce sales are higher than any previous point in time, jumping 32% from Q1 to Q2 of this year to reach nearly 212 billion. So e-commerce employment is growing and the last mile focus within that is growing even faster as e-commerce firms need additional warehouse space for faster and quicker distribution. But they still have the same issue in the industrial market, which is how do you socially distance this? How do you keep people working in a safe environment with warehouses that, that operate like this? And the answer is probably robotics, where warehouse robots will definitely impact the workforce, not necessarily in a negative way. They will do some of the work that companies are having the hardest time hiring, packers and pickers, with, with robotic pickers, and then these Roomba-like robots that can carry the packed products to the assembly line, really making it much more cost-effective and faster. Just as an example, here's the cost of a human picker versus a robotic picker, not just in, in real estate costs, but also in labor costs. For a 340,000 square foot facility with people pickers, you might need 302 full-time employees. A highly robotic system could do that same work with 70 employees and probably bring the real estate size down to about 290,000 employees. So I anticipate that we'll see more and more of the picker-packer concept being done by robots in the future. But the real question everybody has is work from home really working? And <clears throat> JP Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon announced that they were bringing most of their employees back to work in Manhattan at the end of September. He shared a troubling pattern that most of their employees work, that work from home had slipped. Work output was particularly affected on Mondays and Fridays. And while he said the work from home lifestyle seemed to have impacted younger employees the most, they noted a productivity decline among employees in general, not just the younger ones. So he gave a great definition of overall productivity and what he called creative combustion had taken a hit, a hit. And I think that's what most companies are seeing as they try to measure productivity is how do you take a look at the concept of creative combustion and see how that impacts? There just hasn't been enough time for productivity measures to be implemented and evaluated. Um, everybody is thrilled by the newfound freedom from work, work, from remote work, but employers are concerned about the ability to adequately supervise staff, monitor productivity, and you can't monitor productivity mainly by tracking hours or computer idle time, because measuring time is not the same as measuring productivity. So Cornette recently did a survey of their 11,000 corporate real estate professionals about when employees will return to work and how. And 50% of the companies said it will be at least June of 2021 before their people come back. 
in June of 21, they anticipated no more than 50% would return to on-site offices. 70% said their real estate footprint would shrink over the next two years, and 16% saw no change. So I think what we're seeing is this hybrid workforce, at least for the near future, is going to impact the need for office space significantly. But the root factor is what uh, MIT's research center says is most at risk is innovation. And innovation is hard to measure, but if you're in the service or the knowledge-based industry, you know how critical any kind of innovation can be. Because communication is most effective when it's face-to-face -face because it's more information-rich. MIT showed a 35% reduction in team performance when there was lack, lack of face-to-face -face exchange. The unplanned is, a, is as important as the planned. That spontaneous interaction is one of the most reliable paths to innovation. Socializing is, is definitely productive, and MIT found that people with more face-to-face -face interactions had the highest productivity. And then physical proximity for learning is critical. We learn from one another. We learn from on-the-job experience, being around, observing, and interacting with our coworkers. And then just being physically together is critical, especially for younger or new employees so they can grow in their roles. But as we take a look at the companies that are announcing work from home, you begin to see the pattern that is and all of these companies with <clears throat> with few exceptions to fall of 2021 before their companies are coming back and some are saying that employees will have the option of determining when or if they want to come back so what we're seeing now is that as companies start to measure this productivity, it has a huge impact on real estate. Because if there is a belief that we can be more effective by being in the office, then there will have to be an increased need for those people to be on site, an increased need for space. But I think that everyone is realizing that definitely meetings have increased, meetings have gotten larger, you have Zoom calls now with tens of people on them that are not nearly as productive as being in a room or one-on-one -on -one environment. And social capital has decreased. How do you measure that in the form of productivity is critical for companies to have to realize. So when people ask me, well, how long is it going to take before we get back to normal? said, well, the establishment is going to be a company by company issue of what works for us. And what works for us is going to be determined by how we measure the productivity, how we see people interacting, how we hire, onboard, and train our people. And you can just see all those things stretching out into a decision delay timetable. So I think what the, the biggest impact that COVID is going to have on our real estate economy is that it's going to be 
short-term decisions by companies until they have some of these long-term measurements in place. And the concept of workplace has probably never figured in to corporate real estate space requirements as much as it has been and, and as much as COVID has brought to the forefront. So I thank you for your time and for listening and we will see if uh, Pfizer and Moderna put their vaccines out as they say by the end of the year. If I was wrong about everything I said <laughs> at the end of 2021. Thank you. That's all for today. I'd like to thank Susan Arledge of ESRP for sharing her insights with us as the year draws to a close. Please subscribe to TrekCast wherever you download podcasts and give us a follow on social media. Our handles are in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us.